When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to the Billboard on Broadway podcast. I am Rebecca Millsoff, your host, senior editor at Billboard, musical theater fan, and here every week to talk to you about the overlap between musical theater right now and pop music and pop culture. So I'm guessing that plenty of you out there are aware of the Hamilton mixtape, but in case you haven't heard it yet, it's this album of songs that uh, was inspired by Hamilton. Uh, All the songs on it are not straight recreations of songs from the show. Uh, Some are covers that are done in a slightly different style or with slightly different production. Some of them are total reimaginings of the songs, uh, maybe based on a theme or an idea in the original. So I think it was this really inspired idea, not just because there were so many obvious hip hop and pop references in the Hamilton score, but also because, number one, it invited artists from outside the theater world to come into it to show it's not a scary place. Uh, and in a way, it kind of said, look, these songs aren't sacred. They are continually relevant. They're worth re-listening to. They're worth reinterpreting. So that's also kind of the approach uh, that one of Broadway's biggest recent stars, Billy Porter, takes on a new album that is just out. If you've seen Billy on stage, and if you haven't, I would say go to YouTube now, please. Uh, he's really nothing less than a force of nature as a performer. He's best known these days for having originated the role of Lola in Kinky Boots, for which he won a Tony Award, very deservingly. And more recently, uh, last year, he was in the musical Shuffle Along. And I would say he loosely kind of takes a Hamilton mixtapian approach to classic Richard Rogers songs on his new album, Billy Porter Presents the Soul of Richard Rogers. It was just released by Sony Masterworks Broadway, and it already debuted at number two on the iTunes R&B chart and overall in the iTunes Top 40. Yay! Uh, the featured artists are basically like a who's who of current Broadway stars we all care about very much, from Hamilton's Chris Jackson, Renee Elise Goldsberry, and Leslie Odom Jr., to The Color Purple's Cynthia Erivo, to uh, Porter's own co-stars in Shuffle Along, Joshua Henry and Brandon Victor Dixon, two of my faves. They are both, by the way, playing Aaron Burr in Hamilton now in different productions. Uh, And in addition, there are plenty of appearances from artists in the more pop-leaning R&B world, from 
uh, singers who I think are kind of kindred spirits to Billy, like India Ari and Lettucey, um, Todrick Hall, uh, who took over uh, Billy's role in Kinky Boots recently. And of course, what would a party be without pentatonics? Pentatonics is there as well. So Rogers um, is, of course, probably best known as one half of the musical writing team, Rogers and Hammerstein. And there are some songs on this album from their musicals written together, like South Pacific, Carousel, and The King and I. But there are also these classic songs that I think anyone would know, regardless of your musical theater fandom, like My Funny Valentine and My Romance that he wrote. And they all get reinterpreted through this sort of neo-soul meets jazz meets gospel meets sometimes hip-hop and rap uh, lens that I think really makes you hear the lyrics in a different way for sure and made me realize just how timely so many of the subjects were that Rogers uh, with and without Hammerstein dealt with. Billy of course also sings on the album and it's a fantastic showcase for how chameleonic I think his voice is, how emotionally direct it is. I mean, when he sings songs, you just can't help but pay attention. Um, But he really acts as more of a curator here, kind of overseeing the tone and the structure and the sound of the project. So I was super psyched to speak to him recently uh, about how he conceived the album, some of the guest stars he brought on, and just why we need to hear these songs in a new light right now. Thank you and welcome, Billy. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, so this this album, there's a lot going on. It's really interesting. Um, and I felt sort of like I was descending into Billy's urban hang suite, sort of. <laughs> oh, I was like, so I, I, I want to know why Maxwell is not involved. <laughs> well, because I don't know Maxwell, so I couldn't call him up. <laughs> well, if Maxwell is listening, I should like call you up. I feel like you have very similar sensibilities. Um, But tell me, so the idea of taking on an all Rogers album to me is pretty ambitious. And, you know, this is anything but a canonical classic approach to his song. So how did the idea first come to you? And was it always in this form or did it sort of evolve into the way the album is now? Well, it evolved. Um, You know, my sort of patron of the arts, Susie Dietz and Lenny Beer, the people who uh, have sort of been supporting me creatively and spiritually for the last few years. Um, Susie ran a theater company in Los Angeles called Reprise, and they were doing a Richard Rogers season. And one of the things that she wanted to do was a Richard Rogers concert. And we had done a Stephen Sondheim show prior to this that was Mm -hmm. sort of the same kind of deconstruction of the material Mm -hmm. and sort of moving it forward sonically in, you know, a more contemporary way. Um, And so she suggested that we do the same treatment with Richard Rogers and do a concert. Mm -hmm. And so we did. And the focus of that concert was more about going, was more historical, you know, going from like jazz interpretations all the way up through, you know, gospel, Mm R&B, hip hop versions of it. Mm -hmm. When Lenny, her husband, we got a deal on Sony and came to me and this idea was swirling around. I went back to the original 
source material, the original show. And what spoke to me was the the latter half of the show Mm -hmm. and how those arrangements felt like something we had never heard before. Mm -hmm. We're the ones prior to, you know, the R&B and the soul and the gospel versions Mm -hmm. felt like we had heard them before. So I thought, well, the focus should be on the more contemporary versions. Mm -hmm. And that's how we sort of launched it. Well, I was going to say that the uh, just speaking to how contemporary the album sounds, to me the most classic treatment is maybe Deborah Cox. Um, yes. Which, is, I mean, sounds like a Whitney Houston song yes. to me. Yes. So, I mean, the fact that that is the most classic interpretation says something about how modern the whole thing sounds. Right, and, and, and even with that, you know, the Whitney Houston interpretation, which you got, <laughs> the, the, the base of that, that's even further along than the way we had heard it in the past, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, we just wanted to, to create a new conversation. Mm-hmm. with this music that's so classic and so brilliant, you know. There are there are a lot of layers there that I had not heard before, which I will get to later, but so you are sort of acting as curator on yes. this album, it seems, and you sing on some of the songs, but not on a lot of them, which mm-hmm. I would think maybe as a performer is a difficult decision to make. No, not at not all? Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> so how did, how did you decide, like, you know, I know when to come in and when not to? Well, I've always been the kind of person who loves talent. And I've been surrounded by the greatest talent in the world all Mm -hmm. my life, like really all my life. And, you know, when I started um, owning the leader in me, Mm -hmm. um, it's always been about pulling my friends in and figuring out how we collectively can make a statement together. Mm -hmm. And, you know, one of the things that I think is missing from the market is what it used to be like in the golden age. You know, in the golden age of musical theater, the popular music came from theater. Mm -hmm. The popular music that was played on the radio came from the theater. At a certain point that went away and theater became corny. Theater became something that was not, we we in the theater weren't allowed to cross over, Mm -hmm. no matter how fabulous we we are, (laughs) you know, and I lived it. Because, you know, I had a deal and, you know, when I had my first deal on A&M Records, I was three Broadway shows in and they wouldn't even let me talk about being on Broadway because it was so, it was a kiss of death. And so one of the things that I wanted to do with this album was show the world just how fierce we are over here <laughs> so that y'all can understand it, you know, and I and, and you know, I think. There have been benchmarks along the way. I think the greatest has been obviously Hamilton recently, Mm -hmm. which has cracked open the conversation, I think, in this new millennium in a way that it hasn't been cracked open in a long time. And I ride in the coattails of that. I I want to extend that conversation beyond Hamilton into the rest of of the, the, the industry, you know, because we're all here. We're here, and as you can see on this record, we're fierce. And you've been here, and I, and the, I mean, you make an, an excellent point, and really the purpose of this podcast in a big way is to say, like, yes, Hamilton has opened a door and has made a lot of people aware of musical theater in a way they weren't before, but musical theater was reflecting popular music long before Hamilton. Yes. And, and I've been here for 30 years, <laughs> singing just like I've been singing on this record <laughs> and beyond. So, you know, I'm, I'm excited about 
the reach that this can have because I think also with Richard Rogers, he still transcends you know, uh, generations. Mm -hmm. And even when you think you don't know a Richard Rogers song, you know, the kids may think they don't know a Richard Rogers song, but then you hear My Funny Valentine and it's like, Bewitched. oh. Yeah, I had those moments he too. Wrote I was that? like, oh, I didn't know that was <laughs> Yes. You know, Doe Deer from Sound of Music was the first song I learned in elementary school. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like everybody watches Sound of Music at Christmas time. So, you know, you're going to know Edelweiss. Yes. You know, the majority of the world is going to know Edelweiss. Mm -hmm. And, I think with that, it's interesting to hear how we um, crack them open. Completely. So when you have, I was going to say that, you know, it's it's tempting to make a comparison saying this is kind of Hamilton mixtapifying Rogers, but there's no is, way to talk about there's it no in way this to talk world about it in without, the same way. Yeah. without making that comparison. But it is very different. And yeah. you're taking on something that is canonical. Is it like, are you allowed to just sort of do your thing to Roger's songs? Is there a process that has to happen? I, I don't I mean, know. You know, my, 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 my argument is always, as artists, we want to leave a legacy. And isn't the point that these songs that were written in the 30s, in the 40s, in the 50s, can now in 2017... Be relevant. Be relevant. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's... I'm certain that Richard Rogers is happy about that. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah. certain. I don't know what the purists think, and I don't care. But, you know, I'm certain, speaking from an artist's point of view, mm -hmm. we want our legacy to live on. And it not it amazing that, you know, this music can touch a whole different kind of person than it was ever first intended? Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah, I, I, that excites me. So... I think that one of the things that's striking about the record is that it ha even though different songs touch on different styles, like one sounds a little more gospel, one sounds a little more jazz inflected, there is a coherent sound to the whole thing. Mm -hmm. And I'm curious who your sonic inspirations are, if there are pop artists who you always go to as inspiration. Because I like, I felt a little bit of like a soul Quarian kind of feel to yeah, a lot of it. I, you know, I grew up in the Pentecostal church, and for the first you know, 11 or 12 years of my life, it was purely contemporary gospel mm -hmm. in the 70s. And then I was introduced to theater. I got bit by the theater bug and I moved into doing theater, but they didn't, the worlds didn't come together very often. Mm -hmm. You know, we had Jesus Christ Superstar, we had Dreamgirls, we had The Wiz, you know, but even with that, it you know, contemporary sounds weren't, um, at the forefront and people were telling me when I would sing that I sounded like Donny Hathaway hmm. and I didn't know who Donny Hathaway was so I went on to but you have to understand this is like I'm 16 or 17 so yeah, I go yeah. on I go in search of that mm -hmm. and I just fell down the rabbit hole of all the soul music and all of the R&B mm -hmm. music and so then my influences started to um, expand from gospel into those those worlds. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I've been influenced by a lot of old school soul music because I think the message in the music too, um, mm -hmm. you know, music having something to say other than just how much money you're making or, <laughs> you know, yeah. is it, that always spoke to me. 
um, and voices, you know, singing voices. Mm -hmm. So I gravitate a lot to the voice. I also gravitate to the live energy of classic soul music. I just, I, it's always been that. It's a good energy. <laughs> yes, it is a good energy. It is a good energy. And finally, someone has allowed me to do what's in my heart uh -huh. as opposed to telling me what I should be doing, which the music industry tends to do very often. Yes. Uh, so when you were conceiving the sound of, you know, these different arrangements, were there, I'm just curious, were there any like records that are sort of touchstones for you or anyone whose sound you just always tend to love that you were thinking maybe, you know, something along those lines would be nice? Or? Yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, I'll name some names. I always feel bad about that because I always forget people. <laughs> but, you know, if you're speaking old school, it's like, you know, Donny Hathaway and Aretha Franklin and Gladys Knight and mm -hmm. Al Green. And then you move forward into Music Soul Child and uh, Angie Stone and Erica Badu and, you know, that whole neo-soul movement Very much, um, yeah. that has extended um, beyond um, the 70s, <laughs> you know, it didn't yeah. stop. And it's still here, like you said earlier, Maxwell. It's like, these are the people whose sound. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I go back to over and over mm -hmm. and over again. Um, and I think a lot of people are going back to them now, too. There's a real moment. For, yeah, for that I mean, I like pop music, you know, and Whitney Houston was the poppiest I ever got. Huh. And once again, that voice, mm -hmm. you know, if you can't sing, I'm not interested. <laughs> and I have a really, really high barometer of what singing, what good singing is, <laughs> you know. And yeah. so, you know, while Whitney Houston was a bit more pop than um, is my way, um, she, I mean, come on. <laughs> <It's Whitney. laughs> She's the goddess yes. of all things. Yes, yes. Yeah. 
so speaking in the pop direction, there is a real presence from R&B and hip hop on mm-hmm. the album. Mm-hmm. Um, Indiari is on the album, Ladisi and this... Ledisi. Oh my God, I've mispronounced her name all these years. Sorry, Ledisi. Uh, it's okay, everybody I love, does it. I love her. Uh, and, uh, and this rapper is Ayer Park, yes. who I had never heard of before. He's from the Bronx. He's brand new, yeah. Uh, representing for the Bronx. Him. Yes. So... Um, Tell me first about bringing India in for Carefully Talk, because that's one of my favorite tracks on the album. Let's listen to a little bit of it. You've got to be taught to be afraid of people whose eyes are oddly made and people whose skin is a different shade. You've got to be carefully taught. So tell me about how she came into things. Well, India Ari is one of my absolute favorites. And I was doing Shuffle Along last year. Yay, Shuffle Along. Yay, Shuffle Along. (laughs) And she came to the show. And during my blues number, there was a lone person standing up (laughs) in the middle of the song. Amazing. (laughs) And I was like, who is standing up in the middle of this song? Turns out it was India Ari. So... You know, I make a beeline. We start chit-chatting. She talks about wanting to expand her her reach and, you know, wanting to write a musical. And I'm a writer and I'm a, I'm a director. And I was like, if there's anybody who can sort of bring that together wow. for her, because I understand how to translate what she does to the stage, mm-hmm. it would be me. So I was like, take my number, girl. We're we going to do this together. And then, you know, we stayed in touch a little bit. And the album was not political. And this was around June. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't political, it was just an album. And then the election happened. And it got real political, (laughs) (laughs) you know? And I was supposed to have a couple of artists that kind of dropped out due to schedule. And it just popped into my head one day. And I was like, oh my God, carefully taught with India and I called her and I thought, you know, I was calling her to do a solo. Mm -hmm. Um, And she came into the studio and I was setting her up in the studio and I'm like, so how do you like to work? Do you you like to do it, you know, straight through or do you like to do it phrase by phrase? Whatever you like, you know, you're welcome. We're we're here to accommodate you. She said, wait, I thought I was doing this. I thought I was singing a duet with you. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like, uh, like surprise <laughs> I mean I can do it I can sing a duet I would love to sing a duet with you but you know I was just I just wanted to honor these people I didn't want to impose myself on these amazing artists that I was bringing in who who you know agreed to sort of lend their their stuff to us mm-hmm. you know I wanted to respect that and I didn't want to impose myself on you know so she wanted to do a duet and that's literally how it happened in the room in the space and she started with that background vocal do you Mm -hmm. have the courage to love somebody and you know that was my my fear with the song because in the context of the show there's context to understand that what they're saying is this is bad Mm -hmm. and I was struggling with context. I was struggling with trying to figure out how do we create the context within the song so that people understand that we're saying this is bad. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and she started with that hook. 
and the tears streamed down my face and I got engaged and that phrase is in my ring to, with my husband. Do you oh, have wow. the courage to love somebody? Because that's what it is now. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. it's an act of resistance. You know, it's an act of courage to love people these days, it seems. Yes. You know, so that's how it came about. And it's very profound. And, and I think it's actually, it doesn't feel like overtly trying to make a statement. And I think because it's just such a, the the spirit of the song is so strong and just that backing vocal alone just kind of i mean she's a quietly powerful singer i think to begin with and shivers yeah total shivers uh and then zaire who raps on two tracks yes tell me about discovering him uh, uh, I want to love beauty and the beast no nope. beauty and the dragon a dinner at the west wing and we can have it friends you to call it magic but haters might call it tragic fortunately for you there's no detoxing from this habit girl i'm trying to get your attention but yeah with no influence lean you over the city to fill a top view let me take over addiction to be the substitute so um my writing partner and I, James Sampliner, who've been working together for about 14 years now, you know, we were the ones that had the initial show in Los Angeles. And as we were putting this together, one of the things that I realized, I think one of the things being a leader, a good leader, is understanding what you do, but more importantly, understanding what you don't do. Mm -hmm. And I knew that between the two of us, we could get our we could get the sound to a certain level but i needed we needed the ringer and i was walk, once again walking down the street trying to figure out this ringer <laughs> and michael sandlofer popped into my head and i've known him since the early, since the mid 90s when we were both starting out in the music industry and you know he's a hip hop r&b soul producer who's worked with everybody mm -hmm. and i hadn't talked i hadn't spoken to him in like a decade and I went in my phone. <laughs> I was gonna say, how many of these people do you just have on speed dial? I, I went into <laughs> my phone and there was a number and I just pressed it and prayed and he picked up the phone. And that, and it was like, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> and, you know, we lost a couple of our rappers mm -hmm. because of schedules, you know, just, you know, people being superstars. <laughs> and, um, but I really wanted to have that energy on the record. I really mm -hmm. wanted to have, you know, a hip hop rap energy on the record. And Lofi, Michael Sandlofer, we call him Lofi for, for short, mm -hmm. um, he has a production company and this artist is signed to his production company. He said, okay. I got this guy, you know, he's really, really amazing. I would love for you to hear him. And he came and wrote that stuff and. It worked yeah. out well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then when we talk about, we have to give some love to the Broadway people, which is basically like Hamilton stars past and present, <laughs> it feels like. Um, two amazing duets, Renee, Elise Goldsberry, and Chris Jackson, yes. and then Brandon Victor Dixon. Who knows? He is my Broadway husband. <laughs> he, I have uh, told him that I think he's the last member of Boyz Men, first of all. <laughs> and he and Josh Henry, with yes. whom he sings, I think that they should just take it on the road. Who I, I did I shuffle along with. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just like, the two of them should just be an act. I love when they do like the backstage Jodeci covers. <laughs> yeah. Like one of my favorite things ever. Anyway. I was privy to that. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so tell me about making those two really magical pairings of people. 
Well, you know, the the Renee Goldsberry and Chris Jackson duet. First of all, Renee and I are like best friends from college. Ah. So I've known her for a very long time. And, you know, that was a that was a throwback to, you know, Marvin Gaye and Tammy Terrell. Yes. You know, Donnie Hathaway, Roberta Flack, uh, Kindred the Family Soul. I wanted one of those sort of just quintessential love duets. Mm -hmm. You know, I think we've gotten Yeah, I think we've gotten away from love and move so far into just sexual animalistic desire that mm-hmm. I wanted to to go back a little bit to a, a a simpler time a more a more loving time dare I say mm-hmm. um so that's how that came about um I was in the show with the boys you know I was in shuffle along with the yes. boys and I knew I wanted to hear their voices together mm-hmm. um and one of the influences was uh agony Oh, from nice. Into the Woods. I appreciate an agony it's, it's It was sort of like the two princes vying for the princess's love by one-upping each other vocally. Yes, which is a little what they did in Shuffle Along, too. Which is, so, so I wanted to sort of have fun and make it playful and play with that. So that's how the, that duet came about. enjoy that very much <laughs> uh, <laughs> um you know you we touched a little bit about the political um in these songs and i have to say that this really made me realize in a way that maybe i hadn't hadn't cohered in my head before how much rogers dealt with the idea of love people who are different from yes. you in his yes. work i mean in all of it in all of it but prominently in south pacific and in the king and i um and you know, it's incredible just how relevant that still is today and how these you hear these songs in just a very different way right now. Yeah, because, you know, I think one of the things that we forget, you know, growing up way after these these pieces were written initially, you know, the first time I came in contact with the Rogers and at Rogers and Hammerstein show was in high school where it's watered down, the mm-hmm. politics are all taken out of it, mm-hmm. and you don't even realize that that's what it's about. Mm-hmm. You know, the first time I realized what Carousel was about was when they did the revival mm-hmm. with Audrey McDonald. And yes. I was like, oh, this is about domestic abuse. Yes. <laughs> and she stays with him. You know, like they were tackling really huge things. Huge issues it's like the woman that you fall in love with the little blonde woman you fall in love with in south pacific is a racist (laughs) she turns around to be a racist Mm -hmm. you know they were dealing with huge things um and i just wanted to to make that clear it's like even with edelweiss (laughs) you know that was my next question it's like edelweiss the Von Trapp family was singing Edelweiss as they were trying to escape from the Nazis. Yes. Let's be clear. Mm-hmm. You know, there was there. Let's be clear. 
that's what they're doing in that musical, in the context of the show. So releasing it on the day of the inauguration was on purpose. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a lot. I mean, Edelweiss in particular has, I feel like it's become a song for you. You think and, so? Yeah, I think so. I, th- I like. I feel like this is going to be like a trademark for you. Oh, good. I'm glad. Uh, <laughs> and you you do it on the album in a very unique way. How did you? There's some spoken word in it. Mm-hmm. Then you kind of launch into the singing of it. So how did? I mean, how did that come together? That's the full on gospel kid in me. Yeah. The full on, you know, contemporary. Gospel, whether it's Kirk Franklin, whether it's uh, Jay Moss, whether it's Kiki Sheard, the Clark sisters, Donald Lawrence, Kurt Carr, you know, it's all of that. Mm-hmm. And that's my moment to do that. And, 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 you know, Mary Mary, you know, just really, but really urban contemporary gospel, mm-hmm. you know, that has that is the root. I, I think it's interesting because, you know, R&B and soul music borrows from gospel and then gospel borrows from R&B and then R&B borrows from gospel again. And yes. <laughs> it just has been that way for years and years and years. And so that's literally how that came together. And I was getting a very Kirk energy actually yeah. from you. So yeah. I'm glad I yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that. it's it's completely and fully that. <laughs> well, I think that this, I mean, to me, this is a, such a great illustration of what great musicals do, which is, you know, in the vehicle of something involving people singing and dancing there is actually the best musicals have a much more serious message that's a genuine message and not like banging you over the head with the message right going on um well it's been great talking to you i think we'll go out listening to a bit of edelweiss uh it's so great to talk to you billy thank you for having me blossom of snow may you bloom and grow Again, I would really encourage all of you to go check out Billy's new album. Again, it's called Billy Porter Presents the Soul of Richard Rogers. It's really fantastic. And uh, the song will remain a secret. But all I will say is that after we did the interview, Billy gave me an acapella serenade of a big song from a Stephen Sondheim musical. And I can still remember how I felt on the floor afterwards when I melted. Thank you, as always, for listening to the Billboard on Broadway podcast. If you like us, please go to iTunes and give me some nice stars, some nice reviews. Uh, you can always find me on Twitter at, at Rebecca Millsoff. Use the hashtag Billboard on Broadway if you're ever referring to us. And I hope you'll come back next week. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. 
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.